The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Align and awaken with Mother Earth Rising podcast. Let's rise and heal together with me, Pippa, your Mother Earth healer. Hi guys. So I'm currently in England and chatting to an amazing man who is over in San Diego, David G. But my soul is actually sat with him in his treehouse. So I'm so excited to chat to him today. As a lot of you know, everyone that I speak to on my podcast is someone that I want to get to know myself because they've inspired me, but also to help you on your journey. I know a lot lot of you follow David G and you are mesmerized by his work and his voice. That's what drew me to him. But I'm so honored and so grateful to introduce David G onto the podcast. Oh, hello, everyone. And uh, thank you, Pippa, for inviting me. And thanks for hanging out with me in my my treehouse. Oh, it's so warm. I'm loving the rays. (laughs) (laughs) So... David, I, I've i loved your meditations. Your meditations are probably the ones that send me into the gap the quickest because, you know, that that's what you talk about a lot is the sweet spot, the gap. And it's with meditation, I know that's what you teach, but I think with people meditation, they, they think they have to perfect it. And I just want you to introduce yourself, let people know what you do, who you are and the amazing work that you're doing for this planet. Uh, Sure, I'll give you a a quick backstory. I started meditating when I was in uh, university, in college. It was an experimental Asian studies course. Um, It was a Zen meditation practice that we were trained in. There were 12 of us in the class. We sat on the floor. Our Zen master stood in the corner. We were instructed that when we had a thought pop into our head, we would raise our hand while we were meditating. And in his hand, he carried an 18-inch bamboo stick known as a keisaku. So when we raised our hand, he would come over and thwack us on the back. So um, I only lasted in that school of meditation a few weeks. Um, I found the benefits amazing, but I didn't want to get hit while I was trying to practice something. So, So I left there, got into candle gazing, then moved into mantra, and then into mindfulness, and then into tantra, and then into vipassana, and then into uh, chocolate tasting meditation. Oh, one of my favorites. <laughs> and um, and my practice really sometimes for for weeks and months, and sometimes for years, really started to thrive. Um, and as I got more involved in the corporate world, and I got deeper and deeper into the world of of business and finance, um, I realized that my meditation practice started to slip away, and I. One day I just realized that I had 
wasn't even meditating anymore. I had traded in my early morning practice for an early morning train ride into the World Trade Center. I traded in my evening practice for a nice glass of scotch. And like that, meditation was gone and balance was mm. gone in my life. And in the wake of 9-11, as I was walking past a row of cardboard boxes in Southern Manhattan that people were living in, um, I walked past this particular box and a hand reached out and grabbed my pant leg and pulled me in. And this guy with these crystalline blue eyes peered up at me and said, what's gonna be on your tombstone? That's a fairly reflective moment. It's pretty intense. <clears throat> and so, um, we hung out there, it seemed like hours. I call these butterfly moments, you know, where suddenly everything stopped, the, the traffic stopped, the people stopped. It was like, it was only him and me in this, in this sacred moment. And we continued our conversation a little bit um, without moving our lips, which is pretty intense. Um, and at a certain point, I started to move on Suddenly I realized tears were streaming down my face. My heart was racing. Um, I was, you know, hyperventilating. My knees were weak. I had to go sit down on the stairs of this apartment building right next door. And it was like probably the most profound moment, like a lightning bolt had hit me. And so um, I went home that night and shared the story with my wife and she said, mm, you need to quit your job. And you know, you need to do something else that's, that is more fulfilling because you know, that deep question, what's gonna be on your tombstone? You're definitely not loving your job and you're, you're working for other people and you're working 24 seven and where's the fulfillment coming from? And so she said, there's this guy, Deepak Chopra. He's having a retreat in Oxford, England and uh, you should go there and um, rekindle your meditation practice. And so I'm fairly obedient, you know, left my job, headed off to, uh, to Oxford. And there was supposed to be like 2000 people at this event, but because it was in the wake of 9-11, nobody was flying. And so there were like 50 of us instead. And it was like my heart had been this like white linen cloth that was immersed in black India ink. I was empty inside. I was soulless. Um, I didn't know what my meaning was, my purpose was, why am I here? I was just so sad about everything in life. Um, but by day three of just meditating every single day for hours and hours every single day, by the third day, it was like that, that, that cloth had been like draped through a rushing stream and just cleansed, enlightened. And I felt joy for the first time in years. And so suddenly I was like, oh my God, this is, this is possible. In just you know three days of connecting to the stillness and silence that rests within, I can actually shift how I feel about everything in life. So I left there, headed off on my own little eat, pray, love journey mm. without the eating and the love, um, just a lot of prayer uh, in search of the guru. So I headed off to India, got a six month visa, traveled high and low throughout India. I was meditating, I was practicing yoga, I was bathing in the Ganges. I was like trying to find the, the, the cosmic answers of life. And uh, it's 11-11 right here <gasps> in, Calif in California. So make a wish. There's only one wish I've got.
I've got ulterior. <laughs> <laughs> oh. How about that? Thank you for that reminder. <laughs> See, it's always 11-11 someplace, but yeah. right here, sweet spot <laughs> of the universe, um, Pacific time. So, um, so I was really devotional in, in, in like trying to connect to deeper meaning and like really understand who I was. And after about five and a half months of, of constant prayer and meditation and yoga and, and doing all these special rituals, I was uh, laying in a hammock in a cashew forest in Kerala, India, way down in the south. And I was reading the Bhagavad Gita, this ancient Indian text, and I, which I'd read hundreds of times. But suddenly in that moment when I read chapter 2, verse 48, um, and the Bhagavad Gita, for those of you who don't know, you know, the greatest warrior of all time, Arjuna. It's, this is like 2,300 years ago, you know, about 300 BC. And, you know, the greatest warrior of all time, is conflicted. He's on the battlefield and he's about to like lead his troops into a into this you know big battle. Um, but as he looks across the battlefield, he sees people he grew up with. He sees his teachers, his schoolmates, his relatives. Um, you know because it's sort of like one of those infighting you know relatives infighting battles. And he doesn't want to fight. And he's conflicted. And he doesn't know what to do. And this charioteer comes up and says, what's going on? And he says, I'm so conflicted. I don't know what to do. I, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what my meaning is in life. And I definitely don't want to fight this battle. And, and, and I'm a warrior. I'm supposed to be fighting, but I don't want to fight this one. I'm at a crossroads. And the uh, charioteer says, dude, I, can, I, can, I feel you. It's, it's intense. Um, how about this? I got 5,000 soldiers with me. So either you can accept my 5,000 soldiers and I'll be a charioteer for the other side, or I'll become your charioteer, and the other side can take the 5,000 soldiers. And Arjuna, the greatest warrior of all time, says, I don't need more troops. I need clarity. I need to understand. I need someone to guide me here. And the charioteer says, good move, because I'm God disguised as a charioteer. So you've chosen to hang with me now for the battle. Good call. So the 5,000 soldiers go over there, and the Bhagavad Gita is really the story the very, very first conversations with God, conversations with the divine. And, you know, they talk about life and love and meaning and purpose and serving others and the fact that we have to act. Um, but before we act, we should get still and get clear and then perform our actions brilliantly. So that's the line I'm reading in the Bhagavad Gita. I'm reading chapter two, verse 48, where Arjuna says, how am I supposed to live my life? And God replies, yoga sta kuru karmani. Yoga sta kuru karmani. Yoga sta means establish yourself in the present moment, kuru karmani, and then perform action. Mm. So really, really powerful message. It hit me like a lightning bolt. I jumped up. You know, I ran to the bus stop. Um, didn't matter. A bus didn't come for 20 hours. Uh, then I got on the bus and to Mumbai airport. Uh, that took another 20 hours. And then when I got to the airport, waited another 20 hours. And then the flight home, another 20 hours. So those are like the most powerful 80 hours of my life of deep reflection. Raced home. And um, after like, I don't know, five weeks or so, uh, a few of my friends sort of like came to my house and said, dude, all you do is sit around and meditate. I was like, I know. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> it's just amazing. I, I, I love it so much. feels so good. 
And they're like, eh, we're a little worried about you. You probably need to do something with this. Um, maybe you could teach people to meditate. And I said, guys, I'm from New York. I don't care about anyone else's meditation. As all New Yorkers, you know, we're so self-absorbed. Why do I care about that? And my friend said, well, if you really want to learn something, learn to teach it. Mm. Learn from the inside out. And uh, he said, you know, your friend Deepak, he's, he's got like a center in California. You should go to a workshop there and begin this journey of becoming a meditation teacher. So again, I'm fairly obedient. It seems every time someone advises something to me, I do it. So I headed out to California, um, went to this workshop, reconnected with, with Deepak and his partner, David Simon. And at that workshop, they offered me the opportunity to run the Chopra Center as its COO. And so I began that. I never went, went home, never left, never left there. Six months later, I flew back to pack up, you know, all my stuff and, and drive back across the, the country. But that was it. And uh, ultimately, I became the lead educator um, because I was teaching meditation every single day, got certified. And then um, ultimately, I became the dean of Chopra Center University. <clears throat> so that was my life pretty much teaching meditation every single day and listening to people, you know, what were the challenges? Why aren't you meditating? What are your experiences during meditation? You know, all those, all those things. I've got the opportunity to travel the world for 10 years um, with Deepak and David and, you know, share these teachings with people around the world. And in 2012, um, I said, you know what? I think it's time for me to leave the nest here. It's been a beautiful decade and I want to teach in, in prisons, in schools and in hospitals and just want to people who aren't really getting this teaching let me be you know that expression um so that's what i've been doing since 2012 um since then wrote a few books recorded about 1300 guided meditations um launched my own teacher training program and uh and here we are so that's what I do. I help people connect to the stillness and silence that rests within so they can make more conscious life. Mm. That's a wonderful story. And I really took on board what you said about conversations with God, because that's actually a book that I'm reading right now is uh, Neil Donald Walsh, Conversations with God. Me and my partner, Chris, are reading it. He's read it three times, but we're reading it together again. I'm highlighting things and I'm like, wow. Because I think if I'd read that three years ago, I would have been a bit like, mm, kind of get it, but still bits I don't really understand. But as I'm reading it now, I've bought myself a Kindle and I'm like kind of going through it and I'm highlighting things that really stick out for me. And when you said conversation with God, I thought we all have that within us to, you know, speak and communicate with God. But we're not listening because we aren't getting quiet with who we are. And I love how he says in the book, you know, we aren't here to find ourselves. We're here to remember who we are. We're here to remember. And it all kind of goes, yeah, click, yeah, click, yeah, click. And I will hold my hand up. I don't meditate every day. I kind of jump in and out. Uh, Chris and I do meditate together because obviously we're on Zoom long distance. But I find a lot of my meditations are in nature when I'm walking my dog. I know you want peaches, which is just so cute. And I do want to bring her up, actually, because she does the cutest little waggle as you walk in her. Right. So, do you have any connection with her in a sense? I know you have a connection with her, but have you ever had any like profound moments with her with you know your spiritual work? You know, I really do. Um, 
she adopted me um, about 12 years ago. She's uh, 13. She's like a puppy. Mm. She loves to skip. And so the first time she started to prance around and skip, I was like, I need to, maybe she's got like a luxated patella or some type of knee issue. So I started bringing her to these various vets to like, you know, check her out and do, you know, take x-rays of her knees and feel them. And she's had MRIs, you know, of her, of her knees and stuff like that. And after I hit like the, the, the seventh vet who said, and I would show the, the vet, you know, the, the, uh, the videos, you know, because they're literally, I, you know, every morning as I walk her, I film that. And so all of these doctors said, there's nothing wrong with her. She's got great knees and great legs. And I think she just likes to skip. And so she does this um, sachet when she skips, you know, shaking her behind back and forth and her tail swagging. Um, and so whatever I'm dealing with during those walks, and I walk about three times a day, whatever I'm dealing with just dissipates. So totally. So I started, I, I guess about seven years ago, started creating you know, like lessons you know, lessons from my dog. Um, and I call them Peaches Teaches. Um, and I posted those all over Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. But yes, um, she's so present moment. I have another dog who's totally driven my food. <laughs> Mine's the same. <laughs> you know, if I, if I say, hey, let me give you a big hug, you know, she'll say like, you know, do you have a piece, you know, is there any food for me? What's in it for me? Peaches, I just come over to her. She lays on her back and just like exposes her belly and says like, give it up, just rub my belly. You know, so she is just purely driven by love and she teaches, um, you know, what's, the, what's the, one of the reasons that we suffer so much in this life? It's because we're resisting what is right now. We're resisting the moment. We're resisting the change. We're resisting the situation. Um, certainly that's the source of all of our trauma, you know, from COVID, you know, mm -hmm. we're resisting it so much uh, resisting being locked down, resisting being sealed in, resisting having to wear a mask, resisting, you know, like all these rules and stuff like that. Um, and Peaches teaches, resist nothing and you will receive unconditional love. That is the message. And so people are like, you know, I'm not getting the love I need or I'm not getting the love I desire. Um, well, it's probably because you're resisting something. Mm. So meditation is really one of those powerful tools to help us resist a little bit less. And people ask me, who's the wisest spiritual teacher that you've ever, you know, hung out with and hung out with His Holiness the Dalai Lama and, you know, and Neil Donald Walsh and, you know, Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and, you know, Marion Williamson, pretty much everyone. Mm. But you know who's my who's my wisest spiritual teacher? It's Peaches, the Buddha princess. So obvious, um, because she doesn't have to like come up with anything. She's not thinking bullet points. She is fully present, constantly, um, and that's pretty you know pretty amazing. Can you hear that plane flying overhead? That'll be me so soon. I live, <laughs> I, I I live I, I live in this flight path, um, and at first I would resist it, go like ah, planes overhead. Then I figure, well, I'm not moving, and this is where, and the plane's flight path is not changing. So now, every time I hear planes flying overhead, I know that they're throwing hearts out over us. Mm -hmm. So, Pippa, you and I, and everybody who's watching here, it's just been like showered by thousands and thousands of hearts just oh. raining on us. So, like, how perfect is that? To, That's you know, lovely. 
thank you up there. It's seeing the, uh, the light in every opportunity and seeing the light in even darker moments because we're all going to have those. Like I said about COVID, we're resisting being locked down, resisting the jab, resisting the vaccine. We call it a jab in, in England. And again, it's like we're children in adult bodies, aren't we? It's think, you know, when we were told no as children, it'd be like, you resist. You know, we're told you're not allowed this. Here's a rule, you know. So I think as well, when you do feel off balance is because people say that to me all the time, you know, but when you want guidance, who do you speak to? And I'll say, you, point, you automatically point up, but it's all around, you know, that's what conversation with God, like obviously I'm still at the beginning of it, but he says, you know, why have you never shown yourself, you know, as a, as a person or a form and, you know, God speaking back saying, well, if I, if I formed myself in this form and then something else and then something else, you'd all have different you know, you know, all cause divide. So he says, well, where are you? And he's like, everywhere. So I think I noticed your tattoo as well on your forearm is the uh, yin-yang for the Tao. Because like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, love that. Love it. I, first of all, I'm quite envious that you've met Wayne Dyer because I never got the privilege to meet him. I was kind of just on my spiritual journey before he passed, but he's one of my spiritual teachers he's been a real real uh he's just like like a spiritual father really and I got the absolute honor to chat to his daughter Serena a couple of months ago on the podcast which was just I think one of my most special moments you know just because it was I remember I mean you know we, we can talk to anyone who has passed and I think my ego was like, you can't, you can't channel Wayne Dyer. Who do you think you are channeling, channeling someone so good as Wayne Dyer? But as I kind of listened to more of Wayne's books and watched more of his talks and everything he did, he would sit there and say, oh, you know, I was, you know, having a conversation with Latu and, you know, Henry Thoreau and all these people who he loved and they were his teachers. And I said, you know what? No, like I'm, I'm going to sit and channel Wayne and he comes through so strongly when I need him to and I remember last year he said you know you can connect to anybody in the other realms because it's all happening at the same time which I think is just beautiful and well for me I think people don't realize that we have a knowing and if we want answers again like you'd say go within because I think the Tao taught me we can go in nature to find answers but again when you're in nature you, you just for me I just I zen out especially touching the trees and Chris my partner he's definitely a tree hugger he loves the trees he loves being out in the trees obviously he grew up in California so you know he was is it the redwoods and he just loves being around trees and he's kind of a scientist so he's got the spiritual science kind of you know balance and I remember just touching trees and having like moments of like I go a bit dizzy because they just give off this beautiful frequency so I always think meditation in nature I know you're always on the beach as well which I think that definitely enhances you know our connection but for people like who ask your spiritual teachers if they're here or if they're not here in the physical form it doesn't matter, you know, you can connect to anyone who gives you inspiration. So on my altar, which I'll rebuild when I get to New Zealand, I'll have a picture of Wayne on my altar because he gives me so much 
just his face. He's just got such a an amazing face. And so I think you've been able to meet someone like Wayne and Deepak and all, just all of these spiritual teachers, like, you just must be so grateful. I am. Um, you know, I stand on their shoulders. You know, without them, I'm not even possible. And, you know, someone like Wayne Dyer, who so authentic, you know, so, so pure. Um, you know, when Wayne Dyer, you know, his book, Your Erroneous Zones, probably, you know, like the number one selling started like of a, a drugstore and saying, hey, um, would you buy three, three copies of, of these? And they would say, no, we're not going to pay you. And he said, I'll give them to you, you know, sell them for $20 and I'll charge you 10. And when you, you know, I'll come back, you know, in a few days and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll pay me. And they go, how do you know they're going to sell in three days? He goes, because this is a great book and I know it's going to sell. Then he'd leave that store and he'd like find someone on the street and say, hey, here's 30 bucks. You go in there and buy three copies of, of this book. And so then he'd come back, you know, like a day later and say, so how'd the book sell? And they go, we sold out. We'll take five copies now. And so he did that with like hundreds of different places. And ultimately that book has sold more than 40 million copies worldwide. If you took like all the spiritual teachers combined and all their book sales, that doesn't even equal that sales from that one book, Your Erroneous Zones, which was, which was his first. And since then, of course, he's written. Another 40. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Um, so yes, we, um, I believe that as these people leave us, whether it's Louise Hay or whether it's Wayne Dyer, as they leave this, this earth plane, you know, they're creating a space is created, you know, they were here and now they're not. And it was Aristotle who said that nature abhors a vacuum. And so there's a space. And so we're being in shoes, but they've created a space for us to, you know, they've had their time on earth. And so, yes, as we step into that space, you know, we can connect and, and going back to Lao Tzu, 5,000 years old, and going back to the teachings of the Bhagavad Gita, to a mere 2,300 years old, going back to potentially, you know, 2,000 years. You, of course we can connect to these people because everything's energy. Yeah. And it was Einstein who said, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. It can only be changed from one form to another. In fact, like right now, at this moment, there's the exact same amount of energy on Earth as there was in the moment of its formation because mm -hmm. it can't be created or destroyed. Once it's created, it just consistently transmutes into something else. And so we've got a big responsibility. We need to step into the void. And we need to know that, you know, whatever's flowing into us, we have responsibility to add some value to it into the next moment. And that's really, for me, that's what Yoga Guru Karmani is. You know, get still and then be brilliant. You know, add your special flavor, you know, to that moment and level it up. Yeah, because I think I was chatting to my cousin about this today. Me and my cousin are kind of the only spiritual ones in our family. And we were talking about how, you know, we're in a society now where we can just pick up our phone, send a text, pick up our phone, ring, you know, so we've kind of lost the patience. We've lost, we, we don't want to wait. We want it now. We want it tomorrow. Amazon offers next day delivery if you order by 10. You know, there's just this doing, 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 doing. And so many people find it so uncomfortable to just be. 
because they're scared of that mind going blah, 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 blah. But as you said, that's a really good thing. Be like, hand up. Because my, my hand when I first started meditating would have been like, I may have just left it up because <laughs> it was, you know, the thoughts were kind of going. But I know now when my thoughts come in, it's just what my mind's there to do. It's my mind's going to, you know. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say like, ah, I've been meditating, but it's not working. I still have thoughts. It's like, guess what? We're all going to have thoughts. Mm-hmm. You know, the UCLA Neurolab, you know, in California says that we have between 60 and 80,000 thoughts. That's like a thought every 1.2 seconds. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to have thoughts. And of course, when we meditate, when we're chilling down and becoming more aware, of course, we're going to be more aware of our thoughts, but there's no hierarchy. There aren't like amazing thoughts and stupid thoughts. They're just thoughts. They're just coming in. And so we shouldn't fight to resist thoughts. Yeah, we or should, judge them, you know, don't judge them, you know, cause that's, Eat Pray Love is one of my favorite movies, obviously. It's like one of those like moments where you go travel and you find yourself and one of my favorite movies, definitely. But when she's sat and she's, she's trying to meditate and she just looks at the clock and she's like, oh my God. <laughs> And that was kind of me when I started to meditate three years ago. But I think Chris and I actually said this morning, 10 minutes now isn't enough for us. We need longer because we're finding that we get really deep into this like manifestation meditation. And I'm like off in New Zealand somewhere holding Chris's hand and then come back to your body. And I'm like, no, I just want to (laughs) stay. I want to stay with Chris and, you know, holding his hand in New Zealand and manifesting. And But I think what's really hit me this week reading Conversations with God is, I forgot that if you're if you keep saying I want I want I want X Y Z I want X Y Z, God will respond with wanting 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 wanting, and you'll carry on wanting. So I've kind of switched it up this week and gone. Yes, I need to remember that it's already happened. I'm already in New Zealand. I'm already holding Chris's hand. I've already hugged him in the airport. You know, it's we've created before, now, after. We've created past, present, future. It's present moment so I kind of forgot that instead of saying I want to be there I am there yeah yeah that's why affirmations that that are worded like that uh, are so much more effective Um, because whether you're thinking about um, you know the secret or just the law of attraction or just you know quantum physics the reality is for you to achieve anything or for anything to unfold in your life, um, we get to put our place uh, ourselves into that space, into that place. Mm. You're just not realizing it mm. at this point. Um, and I think, you know, in a meditation and a consistent practice, it's really, you know, the practice is really important. Otherwise, we're just crisis meditators mm. meditating when stuff goes bad. Emergency meditator. <clears throat> Yeah, and we and and you know another question that we need to ask, and it, it follows on you know with your you know manifestation. If I were to plant a seed, let's say I had a seed, and it was like the, the greatest seed ever, but if the soil isn't fertile, then that seed's going to you know not get the nourishment that it needs. You know, if I took that seed and I put it on a rock, I said, "Come on, manifest." Got the seed there. How can we not manifest it? We don't pay enough attention to the soil. And the soil is our values. The soil is who we are. The soil is what we get to cultivate on a, on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. And so 
it matters less what the seed is than what the soil is. And so this is an opportunity, you know, ex you know, exactly what you're saying. You could have that seed of an intention that I want to go to New Zealand and Chris and I are going to move to New Zealand and we're going to do this thing and we're going to live in the space. But in order for that to happen, there would need to be, you know, a nourished, fertile environment for that seed to be planted. So rather than consuming ourselves and driving ourselves crazy with the seed, let's put our intention, attention on the soil. Mm. Let's actually, you know, ask deeper questions like, who am I? You know, who's the person who's showing up here? What's important to me? What do I care about? Um, how shall I show up? How will I act in this moment, whether it's a scary moment, a traumatic moment, or a, or a joyful moment? <clears throat> it all comes back to the soil. Soil with no seeds, nothing grows. Seeds with you know non-nourishing soil, nothing grows. So we spend a lot of time and attention on the seed and the intention and all that. But the reality is, let's spend more time nourishing our soil, our internal soil. And of course, I'm just like you were saying, spirits everywhere. I'm you know I'm I'm holding my hands on my heart. You know that's where the soil is, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but <clears throat> who knows? We you know we get to choose. But it's so much more important about how we show up. It's so much more important um, how you're living your life as opposed to what you're trying to make happen out there. I believe, I believe COVID was a co-creation. How many times did we all say, oh, I wish things would just slow down. I wish I could just take a break. I wish there'd be fewer cars on the road. I wish those factories in China would start pumping, stop pumping all that pollution. You know, we've all said that collectively for decades and then suddenly, yes. It happens. And, you know, then the question is, okay, well, who are you going to be in this environment? Are we going to hold our breath for the next six months? Are we going to learn how to breathe? Been a interesting 18 months for the world, but again, reading conversation with God, it's just impacting me. Each page is just impacting me. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause you know, like you said, God's speaking to us every single moment. It's just, are we listening? And how we listen is getting quiet because if we're like constantly do, do what's next, what's, what's for dinner, what's for lunch, da, 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 da. you know, God, I mean, that, but one thing that really resonated with me was the fact that God doesn't communicate by words as such. It's feeling experience because I've had phenomenal moments where words, like you said, words weren't involved. You know, you with that, with that, you know, the person in New York, it's like, you just sometimes, I mean, like for me, I can sit with some friends who are spiritually awake. We don't have to say a word. We just sit, we can read a book. We can just sit and just, and I'll come away just so calm. So, cause again, when you start to talk, you know, words, vibration, words, different words cause vibration, you know, again, the lang language has come from, from us, but I think, for me this year being away from Chris has definitely been a challenge but it's been for us to grow as a couple individually and together because for me I've wanted to raise my consciousness you know raise that consciousness and open up even more and two things have helped with that meditation and nature nature for me I mean that's why I call myself mother earth healer because I feel like everything we do is to help mother earth 
you know, she's holding us. She's got us right now on this lovely ball floating in the universe, as Wayne would say. And I love how Wayne used to talk about the uh, the deep Hubble field, you know, and he talks about how the, the sun is exact millimeter away from Earth and how everything's perfect. And conversation with God talks about that, you know, it's everything's perfect, you know, and we've created duality, you know, we've created the up, down, right, wrong. But as I'm reading Conversation with God, I'm really bringing, it's a reminder me of Taoism, reading the Tao Te Ching, you know, the crossovers. And I've got a really just quick story I want to tell you about the Bhagavad Gita. Oxford is a beautiful town. I've been down there a few months ago. I absolutely loved it. It's so beautiful there. And I like to spend time in Glastonbury, which is the spiritual hub of the UK. And I was down there and I remember watching a video and I'd just finished the Tao Te Ching and I thought, oh, I wonder what else I could read to kind of enhance that knowledge. I was watching a video and someone mentioned the Bhagavad Gita and I was like, oh, I'll have to look into that because Wayne's mentioned that before. And I'm I'm sure all the spiritual teachers have mentioned this before. And we went into Wells, which is another town nearby. And we walked into a shop. And as I come out of this shop, this monk just came flying over to me and handed me the Bhagavad Gita and said, I have a gift for you. And I was like, how, how is this happening? Like uh, yesterday I was just reading about this and I wanted to go and pick a copy up. And he said, yes, this is how it works. And he just handed me this gorgeous copy and it's got this gold on the front. And I just cried because it was one of those moments that you can't explain. You, you, you know, it's just, then again, it's just divine timing. And I, ha- I haven't actually read the Bhagavad Gita. It's actually in New Zealand because I boxed it up and took it. It's gone over to, with my with my other thousand books that I've got in my boxes. But with you mentioning it, I think I'm going to take a lot from that book. But just moments like that, when we are present and we are kind of open, you know, there's so many moments like that that go through our life every single day. It's beautiful. So before we finish, David, I wanted to ask you, What's been one of the biggest challenges for you, you know, even when you have been doing your meditation, have you found any challenges that you've overcome? Uh, yeah, I think it's important that we all know that, you know, I'm a meditation geek, so I'm probably meditating, you know, more than most. And I'm, if I'm not meditating in a given moment, I'm talking about meditation or I'm teaching meditation. Um, but that doesn't mean that my world unfolds as I anticipate. Mm. You know, i there's a, there's a whole bunch of things that I just have no control over. Mm. And so for me, um, you know, meditation has, has helped me, um, you know, put things into categories, you know, in, in this moment, you know, there's tons of stuff that I can control and, you know, I can pick up this pen, I can take a sit. I can speak to you and listen to you. I, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot that I can do. I can breathe in ocean air coming in from behind me so much out of my control and so let me celebrate the stuff that is in my control and raise the vibration there and the stuff all that other stuff that's out of my control let me breathe into it i didn't it's not of my um you know i i had i had no idea before it suddenly unfolded and you know we can you know freak out when stuff like that happens. So we can breathe into it and ask that question. Here we are, or here I am, in this sacred, precious, present moment. What will you have me do with it? <laughs> you know, and maybe, I don't know, maybe Wayne answers. 
Maybe God answers. Maybe Louise Hay answers. Mm-hmm. Maybe that bird that just chirped <laughs> is the answer. But I go back to um, the, the ancient teachings of Patanjali, um, who wrote the Yoga Sutras around 2,000 years ago. And the second sutra is Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodha. Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodha. Oneness is the progressive quieting of the fluctuations of the mind. And I believe that if we can just progressively quiet, not stop thoughts, but just quiet, slow everything down just a little bit, we can hear the whispers Mm. in our heart. We will hear the whispers of the gods. Mm. And maybe they're not talking in words, but we will hear those whispers. Anyway, we'll hear hear them with our heart. And um, it's important that we just remind ourselves that um, that meditation doesn't separate you from your divine nature. It connects you more deeply to that essence. And, you know, as, as you were saying, quoting Neil Donald Walsh, um, every time we meditate, um, we are reconnecting to the memory of our wholeness. Mm-hmm. And so... That's why a lot of people are like, I don't have time to meditate to do that thing. I've got kids. I've got dogs. I've got a job. I'm, there's, there's stuff going on. It's like, I get it. But all of our pain and suffering comes from the fact that we have forgotten our wholeness or we've slipped away from our wholeness. And so if we can have a daily practice that returns us to the memory of our wholeness, where we were poor, pure and perfect and whole, you know, that moment that we just sort of like popped into this world. Um, like that's where I want to go back on a regular basis and, and have that inform my next response to what's going on. This tree behind me, it's a, I call it the bee tree because there's about, I don't know, like 3,000 bees or so swarming around there constantly. And there's this bee that's, you know, once in a while, um, and it's only like a few feet away, but once in a while there's a bee, like here's one now. It's sort of like a rogue bee. It's sort of like lost its way. And it really wants to get back to the, mm. to the tribe, to the flow. Um, but it's confused, you know, and it's buzzing around me, thinking somehow I'm going to lead it back to, you know, that place. So I take my guidance from nature, just as, as you spend time in nature. And um, so I coexist nicely with this one rogue bee. Um, I don't know if you can see him, but he's like... I sent him just before I go past the screen. I was like, yeah. oh, hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so that's just, the, you know, that's like us, you know, we sort of know that we're part of this oneness and, but it's easy for us to suddenly take stuff personally and for us to regret things or mm-hmm. judge things or hold grievances against other people. Um, it is a little harder to just say, let me try to connect with my wholeness rather than taking this personally or holding that grudge and meditation is that path it's so easy no equipment necessary we all get to do that so just had a a funny a funny memory come in that um it was Wayne because he was talking about Deepak Chopra and he said about he used to ring him and say I'm struggling with this and this and this and he says what should I do and Deepak says meditate (laughs) he just said that was his answer to everything was just meditate 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 and 
when you drill yourself into that so you know anyone who's you know stressed you know you fall into like you know you feel like a challenge or you know I've just recently lost my my, my last grandparent in, in in August and that was a very different experience to four years ago of losing my grandma but again like grief as, as well like just you know meditate because you know you, you find that stillness and you you know you can connect to spirit in that way so I think that you know it just made me laugh because I heard that meditate in my head you know that's something you'd be saying to your people you know oh David I've got this Absolutely. issue and you'd be like meditate <laughs> but I love or, it or I'll say um eat some chocolate um, chocolate meditation <laughs> that's a cool one you know some meditation it boosts our immune system what do we need most when there's a global pandemic people are getting the jab this is like the mind jab that's what meditation is mm. you know so it's going to to boost our immune systems it's going to allow us not to get sucked into fight mm. flight or all those surges of hormones and chemicals yeah. uh, it's going to help us sleep better at night it's going to help mm. us be more patient it's going to help us listen to others better it's going to help us be kinder to ourselves and forgive sounds like something that we would might want to pursue a little yeah. bit definitely yeah so I will let you go. I have absolutely loved talking to you. But before we do go, is there anything you want to share with any of the work that you've got coming up? I know you've got your academy and things. I don't know if you had any openings for that or let them know. Yeah, I created the David G Meditation Academy in 2013. Um, it's a it's a it's a deep dive mm. into it's called the Masters of Wisdom, and, um, because it's I believe meditation is just one lane. We need to dive deep into the ancient teachings to allow them to inform us and find the guilt, the universal teachings that have existed for thousands and thousands of mm -hmm. years, and then help us, that, that helps us cultivate our own values mm -hmm. and make our own best choices. So I think that the convergence um, is really uh, important. But people can just go visit me um, pretty much on all social media, on all music outlets, uh, you know, you name it, I'm there. Uh, whether it's Spotify or Amazon or Apple or Tidal or Inside Timer, Unplugged Meditation. Um, I have a membership yeah. where I've created like the um, the meditation vault of like my favorite curated meditations. And there are probably, I think there are like 700 guided meditations in there. Um, so <clears throat> if you want to take your life to the next level and you think meditation might be helpful in that process, then uh, check me out, davidg.com definitely something I'm, me and Chris are going to be doing when I get to New Zealand. We're going to be deep diving into meditation, especially being together physically. It's going to be a nice thing we can do together. So I look forward to doing that with you. Yeah, I look forward to that too. Well, enjoy your sunshine because here in the UK, it's quite cold now. Well, we're in autumn, but it's getting cold. We're in autumn too. We're in autumn too, but yeah. I'm just sending you some of the warmth. Thank you. I can feel that. So thanks, David, so much for coming on. I've loved getting to know you a little bit more and just keep... Again, you know this, but keep shining because I just love seeing you. I love Peaches. She's just amazing. Go and check her out, guys. She's just got this dead cute waddle. It's so cute. Yeah, you can follow her on Instagram as well. Peaches oh, she got an Instagram Peaches. account. Amazing. I'll go and find her. Thanks, David. Enjoy your day. Yeah. Thank you. Namaste. What is it you really want in life? No matter what you've been through, you can still achieve it. I'm Sandra Ann Taylor, and in my Energy Activation Podcast, we'll explore the science of manifestation 
and I'll give you specific techniques to shift your energy in order to make your dreams a reality. I also do live energy readings, and you can be a part of the show by emailing your questions to me at sandrataylor.net. Join me on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.